Well, good evening. I am very glad to be here with you. Seems like this has been a long time coming. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. We love to come to Amarillo, and especially now that I've got kiddos here, that makes it all the better to come and be with you. I want to talk about a a topic that I have titled Christianity Without Christ. Is it possible? Let me ask you a question as we get started. How long has it been since you thought about Jesus? Did you think about Jesus today? I mean, think back through your day. Got up, got your coffee or your tea or your orange juice or whatever you do to get going. Did you think about Jesus today? Did he cross your mind? Now, I'm not talking about church. You probably thought about church. Well, we got church tonight. No, the church doesn't save us. The church is the saved people, right? And I say, well, I did my Bible reading this morning or my Bible study. Well, that's good. But I'm not talking about thinking about the Bible because the Bible is the message of the one that saves us. But the Bible doesn't save us. Did you think about Jesus? Did he cross your mind? You know, I travel quite a bit, and when I'm gone from my home, not one day ever goes by that I don't think about my wife. I just, I never have a day that that night I go, oh man, I didn't even think about her all day. That doesn't happen. I think about her every single day. You know why? Because she is pretty central to my life. I mean, we are one, and she is just, I just think about her throughout the day. I wonder what she's doing, or something happens, and I send her a little snapshot or a little Snapchat, not snapshot, or something like that, and say, hey, this is what's going on. I think about my wife because she's important to me. She matters to me. But you know what? Do you think about Jesus? I mean, every day? Do you think it's possible to be a Christian and Jesus just not cross your mind? If he doesn't cross your mind, do you really have much of a relationship with him? Are you really, really in that kind of a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, there's a man who wrote a book and his idea in this book about Christianity and all religions and good works and all. This guy used to be a Catholic priest and he's an atheist now. But he wrote this book and in the book he said this. When believers and non-believers are working together, the God thing doesn't matter a bit. It's just a backdrop to the issues in the real world. You see, he said it, the, the Jesus thing doesn't matter. And his idea is this. You know what? We could get together with Buddhists and Hindus and atheists and pagans and Wiccans and we can all get together and pool our money and build a hospital or do something good for somebody. And you know, when you do that, it doesn't matter what you believe. All that matters is what we're doing. And we can all stand shoulder to shoulder and hand in hand with every other religion in the world and non-religion in the world. And we can do good stuff, and you don't have to worry about this religion thing. What do you think about that? Could we do that? 
Does Jesus make any difference? You know, when I go to hold a gospel meeting like this, I think about what am I going to preach? What am I going to talk about? What, what does the congregation there need? And I talk to the elders. I say, you know, what are the needs of the church? What's been taught on a lot lately? What, what hasn't been taught on? What, what do you think the congregation needs? What should I preach when I come here today? Now think about that. You know, what if instead of me here preaching, it was the apostle Peter? What do you think Peter would preach if he was here today? Peter preached this. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Do you know what Peter preached about everywhere he went? He preached about Jesus, didn't he? He pre- that was the central message of Acts chapter 2, the first gospel sermon. It was about Jesus. It wasn't about all kinds of other things. It was about Jesus. Philip, when he traveled, when then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now, he got a guy reading out of the Old Testament, reading some prophecy. He didn't understand the prophecy. And he said, who's the prophet talking about? He didn't have a discussion with him about prophecy. He got in there and he talked to him about Jesus. The apostle Paul said this, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. If Paul was here tonight, you know who he'd preach about? He'd preach about Jesus because Jesus was central. The New Testament Christians daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That's what they did when the New Testament Christians were scattered around. You know what they went teaching? They went telling people about Jesus. Do you do that? Do you talk about Jesus? Paul said, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You see, it's about Jesus. Everything in Christianity is about Jesus. And I would ask you this question right here. If a church would be basically the same, if you remove Jesus entirely from it, in what way can we call it Christian? Could you call it a Christian church if there was no Jesus? Well, with that in mind, let me ask you this question. Would this church be any different without Jesus? I mean, wouldn't we, would we do the same things here? Could we sing songs? You say, well, we'd have to get rid of a lot of songs. We got rid of Jesus. Yeah, a lot of our songs are about Jesus. Would there be any difference, though? I mean, was that guy right? Could we just do everything we do and forget the Jesus piece? I will tell you, obviously, that I don't believe we could do that. I believe Jesus is core and central to Christianity. And I want to show you some scriptures here. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what Jesus said about himself was this. I am the line of demarcation. 
That's a big word some of these young ones might not know, demarcation. What that means is I'm the fence between saved people and not saved people. You see, it's like this. Christians on one side and non-Christians on the other. You cannot be a Christian without Jesus, period. And if you have, a, if you have Jesus and you have that relationship with Him, then you're not a non-Christian, you are a Christian. You see, Jesus is the distinguishing factor. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I talked to a guy one time about religion and he said, he said, well, he said, I worship the sun, which is that ball of fire in the sky. And I said, well, I worship the son of God. And he said, well, he said, you know, we just have our, I, th- I think Jesus was a good prophet, but so was Muhammad and Confucius and all these. And I said, well, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he stopped me and he said, yeah, but he didn't say I'm the only way and the only truth and the only life. Did he? Did he? No man comes to the Father but by me. Doesn't that mean only? That's what that means. It means only. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life other than Jesus Christ. You see, He is the great divide. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. We like to talk about Jesus and the peace that he brought, right? Jesus brought peace. He's the king of peace, right? Jesus said, I didn't just come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. You know what? The world that you live in, I think you've noticed this, is rapidly changing. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that it's okay to mock Christianity publicly in America today? When I was growing up, it wasn't that way. You just didn't have much of that. It's changing rapidly in this world today. There are times in your life where if you publicly speak up for Jesus, you're going to have problems with people. You know, there are... Real famous cases recently where like a cake shop refuses because of their conviction that Jesus is the Son of God and He was always right about what He taught. They refuse to do a cake for a homosexual wedding. And they get taken to court and they get fined and they, it has to go and go and go to the Supreme Court. And there have been several of those cases go all the way to the Supreme Court. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. Jesus divides people. You know, I could preach a great sermon on husbands love your wives. And that would be acceptable here. And it would be acceptable in a Jewish synagogue. Might even be acceptable in a Hindu or a Muslim mosque or a Hindu temple. Husbands, treat your wives good. Love your wives. But when I start talking about Jesus, you're not welcome there anymore. Because He is a line of divide. And the Scriptures teach us that we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. He says in this verse the exact opposite that that guy said in his book, right? 
That guy said, forget the Jesus thing. Let's just all hold hands and do things together. And he says, you can't do that. You can't just forget the Jesus thing. Jesus separates between righteousness, light, Christ, Bilal, and the temple of God on one hand, and on the other side, lawlessness, darkness, Belial, unbelievers, and idols. Jesus is what separates between those two. Look at this passage. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Did you know that when you die, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus? Can we say he doesn't matter? Can we say we can be okay and him never cross our mind? You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. You know who else will stand before that judgment seat of Jesus? Your friends and your family. They're going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. Your professors in college will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. Donald Trump will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. And Barack Obama will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. All of us, everyone who's ever lived, will be judged not by each other, but by Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches that Jesus is that dividing line between heaven and hell. You see, no one comes to the Father but by Jesus. And if you come to Jesus Christ, you can come to the Father. But if you won't come to Jesus, the Bible says that if you don't have Jesus, you can't have God. Because they're one, you see. You can't have one and not the other. You can't have God if you won't accept His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, God sovereignly decided before the foundation of the world, not which individual He was going to save, but what He did is He sovereignly sovereignly decided, I will save those who accept My Son, and I will reject those who reject My Son. That's what He predestined or predetermined. Jesus is the central piece. I want you to think about your salvation for a moment. What does Jesus have to do with your salvation? You might say, well, I mean, we've just been talking about that, right? You can't be saved without Jesus. I'm talking here really about what we call the plan of salvation. What does Jesus have to do with that? Well, let me ask you, what do you believe? You know, you have to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. You've probably heard that before. That's what the Scriptures teach. What do you have to believe? Do you know what you have to believe to be saved? Well, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. You know what that means is you have to believe Jesus is God's Son to be saved. And if people reject Jesus Christ as the Son of God, they will not be saved. No matter how fine a people we may think they are, they're not saved if they reject Jesus Christ as the Son of God. What do you have to confess? Somebody says, well, you know, I don't want to confess all my sins. I've talked to people when do five-part Bible study with them or something, get down to this, and they go, oh, no, I can't stand in front of everybody and confess all my sins. That's not what God asked you to confess. 
The Scriptures tell us that we're to confess Jesus. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So you know what you have to believe is Jesus. You know what you have to confess? Jesus. You see, He's central to these things. What about repentance? You know what repentance means? Repent means to change. It means to turn around. The word literally means I'm going this direction. And when I repent, I turn around and I go the other direction. That's literally what the word means. It means I was doing things this way and now I'm not going to do it that way anymore. I'm going to do it a different way. Well, what do we repent of? We repent of sin. Why? Well, the Scriptures are very plain. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do you all have AA around here? you all know what AA is? Okay. AA, a lot of people have gone into AA drunk as drunks headed for hell. AA can help them get sober, but they come out of AA sober headed for hell. Because AA doesn't save people. Now, I know it becomes the religion of some people, but AA doesn't save people. Only Jesus saves people. And the fact that somebody has made changes in their life for some random reason is not sufficient to God. You see, if I change my life for my wife, which, candidly, I've changed some things for her. I dress differently now because of her. She threw away my corduroy suit when we got married. She's changed some things about But if I change who I am and how I live for her, I love her and would die for her in a heartbeat. But she's just a wife. She's not my Savior. She's not going to cross the river with me. Only Jesus is going to cross the river of death with me. I changed my life because of Jesus, you see. Not because of all these other things in the world. Well, what about baptism? Why are you baptized? Well, we're baptized because the Bible says we have to be baptized. Well, that's true. The Bible does say we have to be baptized. And if you haven't been baptized for the remission of your sins, you need to be baptized. The Bible's very plain about that. One time when uh, we were years ago, we went, uh, I used to sing with a gospel quartet, and we went to Arkansas to do some concerts, and we all went together and we stayed in a hotel, and this hotel had a swimming pool. And it, all of our kids, we didn't have a swimming pool at home, so there's a big treat for all the kids. And we all got out there in that swimming pool, and I don't know who started it, but at some point, all the kids started baptizing, you know. And they, I, we baptized everybody in that swimming pool over and over and over. They just had a lot of fun. Did that save anyone? Did it? Of course not. Why? Well, they were just playing, Right? That didn't mean... They were just getting dunked in water. I mean, that wasn't anything meaningful. Why didn't it save people? Because it didn't have anything to do with Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. You see, baptism only has value because it's baptism into Jesus. Belief only has value because it's belief in Jesus. Confession only has value because we confess Jesus. Repentance only has value to God if I repent because of Jesus 
in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, He is that central piece of my life. You know, if we took our lives and we divided it up into a pie chart, and you could have all kinds of different slices. You might have a thousand different slices if you were doing it, but I just picked these. We have our home life, we have our morality, we have our work, we have our fun, we have our friends, and there would be some overlap in some of these, obviously. What a lot of people do with Jesus is they try to do this. They say, you know what? I want Jesus. I want Jesus in my home. I want Jesus to have some effect on my morality. So, it, in effect, they look at their life almost like a smorgasbord. Almost like a buffet. Do you all have Western Sizzlin' or Golden Corral or something like that around here that has a big buffet? And you can go down the line and you can get some chicken and you can get some steak and you can get shrimp and you can get broccoli if you want that. And you can get all these kinds of things. You say, oh, I'd like to have a little of this pie here, you know. And, and people do their, that with their lives. They go, well, we need some entertainment, you know, and some sports. Yeah, and we got to work. You got to have a lot of work here. And yeah, let me have a little bit of this uh, entertainment, you know, my TV shows and my movies. And, you know, Marvel's coming out with a good new movie here. And, and we got to get all this stuff on my plate. And then, oh, yeah, I need some Jesus. And they put some helpings of Jesus on the plate. Just like everything else, and I've got my fun, and I've got my work, and I've got my home, and I've got Jesus. And I want to tell you, that's not the way a Christian lives. And if that's what you're doing with your life, you're missing the point. Because, see, the way a Christian lives... There we go. The way a Christian lives is a Christian has Jesus at the center. Jesus is what all of my entertainment grows out of. You see, the things I choose for entertainment are informed by the fact that I'm a Christian. My job, my work, that's affected primarily by the fact I'm a Christian. You see, there's a difference in a school teacher who's a Christian or a Christian who teaches school. Do you, do you see the difference in the two? One is very primary... And the other secondary. And see, to a Christian, Jesus is primary to everything you do. And if He's not, you're missing the boat. You're missing the point. Jesus has to be central to everything we do. Does Jesus have anything at all to do with our morality? Can you be a good moral person without Jesus? Can you? What do you think? The Bible says this, For unto this were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps, who committed no sin, nor was guile found in His mouth. You see, I live the way I live with my morality because of Jesus. This afternoon, I was riding along with Craig Keel. Craig, I'm going to tell a story on you. We were talking about a certain situation that uh, we'd both been involved in a little bit. And Craig said, Michael, it may just be me, but if I'm going to sin, I'm going to sin. <laughs> he said, I'm going to get out there in the world and I'm not going to keep going to church. If I'm going to sin, I'm going to get in that world and I'm going to sin. Do you get the point? I agree with what he's saying there. There's not room for me to not live like Jesus as a Christian. 
And if I'm not going to live like Jesus, I need to quit telling people that I'm a Christian. Because Jesus is central in my morality. What about dealing with your enemies? Do you have any enemies? People don't like you? I didn't think I had any enemies for a long time. I think I've probably got a few enemies now that I've learned about through the years. Somebody says, you know, so-and-so don't like you very much. Really, you know, I didn't know that. Do you have enemies? How do you treat your enemies? There are certain people I don't care a lot for. How do you treat them? The Bible tells us that Jesus said... But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. When I have an enemy and I have to interact with that enemy and I have to have something to do with them, you know what needs to guide that is what Jesus told me. He said, you love them. Man, that's hard, isn't it? You love them, you pray for them, you bless them, you do good to them. You know, I can bring myself sometimes to just not do anything to them. <laughs> but doing good to them is really tough, isn't it? But you know what? If I thought, what would Jesus do? Well, you know what Jesus would do. Jesus hanging on the cross looked down when they were the, the people who nailed him on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, Jesus did love his enemies. What about your good works? Can people who aren't Christians do good works? Well, yeah, they can do some good works. But where's the value? The Scriptures say, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it unto the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Jesus took your good works and He said, Here's the way it works for a Christian. Anything you do for someone else, you're doing for me. Any good deed that you do for another person. Do you ever get involved with maybe somebody that needs food? Somebody that's sick? And do you all have meal trains or things like that, what you call around here, and you do things like that for people? Jesus said, you know, you do something like that. You're doing it for me. Not just for that person. Sometimes there might be a meal train for somebody you don't care for a whole lot. Well, you know what? You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for Jesus. Because Jesus is central in everything in our lives. What about your home life? The Bible says this, The husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Ladies, God said your husband's the head of the, the home, just like Jesus is head of the church. It doesn't have anything to do with whether he's smarter than you or not. It doesn't have anything to do with whether he makes better decisions. Not even whether he's more righteous or holy than you. It's got to do with the fact that y'all represent Jesus and his church. Husbands, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. Jesus died for the church. He also lived for the church. It doesn't have anything to do with whether she does the things you want her to do, whether she nags at you and gripes at you, or whether... It doesn't have anything to do with any of that, because what it has to do with is you, as you relate to your wife, are showing Jesus relating to His church. You see, He's central in everything we do. What about your attitude? The Bible says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He says, you have to forgive. In fact, when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount and He gave the Lord's Prayer, 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Y'all remember it, right? There's only one thing he commented on at the end. That was forgiveness. And at the end of that, that prayer, he said, you got to forgive because if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Right? You remember that? Well, how do we forgive? Why do we forgive? He says, here's the way you forgive. You forgive the very same way that God forgave you based on Jesus. You see, forgiveness is based on Jesus Christ. It's not based on that other person. Does he have anything to do with your worship? You know, 1 Corinthians 14 has a lot of regulations, a lot of description of how God wants us to worship, right? When he gets to the end of that, he says, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a doctrine, etc. He says, these things which I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. The reason we do what we do in a worship assembly is because that's what Jesus had commanded, you see. When we look at all those things, I would ask, does Jesus have anything to do with anything in your life? Are you different in any way because of Jesus? I'm not talking about just because of the Bible. I'm talking about because of Jesus. Do you live in any way in your life the way you live because of Jesus Christ? But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. You see, Jesus was the reason that Paul gave up everything he gave up. And he said, I have counted everything in my life, everything I've got, everything I've ever had, I counted it rubbish. You know what rubbish is? It's trash compared to Jesus. He said everything else, nothing else matters but Jesus Christ. But you see, a lot of times we have a twisted idea of our relationship with Jesus. I want to tell you about a man I met one time. This man's name was Peter in about 1974, give or take. I went with my dad everywhere we went. And we went to a hospital one time to visit. There were, a, as a church member's child was in the hospital. And so dad said, we're going to go up to Oklahoma City and we're going to go to the hospital and visit this child and you need to come with me. And I said, okay. So we went to Oklahoma City and we went to the, the room and we went in and there was no one at the room. We asked him at the nurse's station. They said, oh, well, they're having some entertainment down in the cafeteria. So we went down to the cafeteria, and that's where I met Peter. And Peter was playing the guitar and singing a song. And the guy was pretty good. You know, I have to admit, I was listening and going, yeah, this guy's pretty good. And, but I, I didn't know anything about him or, or who he was or anything. He was just some guy playing a guitar. But then he sang a song that I knew. It's called Puff the Magic Dragon, okay? Now, by the way, that was a kid's song. It didn't mean anything back then. <laughs> it was just a kid's song. If you've never heard the song, it's a fun little story about a little boy who meets a dragon, and, and then he grows up and forgets about the dragon. And, but it's just a cute little song. It was a really popular song. I mean, it was on the radio a lot, and I knew that song. And he sang it so good, and I was so impressed. Come to find out, he's the guy who wrote that song. 
His name was Peter Yarrow, and he was part of a singing group called Peter, Paul, and Mary. Now, people my age or older will remember Peter, Paul, and Mary, okay? Mary has died now, so the only time you're ever going to see or hear them is on Time Life CDs late at night when they're selling their CDs, and they're going to roll through, okay? But here's the thing. Every time I see one of those commercials... Every time I see one of their albums or CDs, you know what I always think? I always think, I know that guy. Because I met him. And I listened to him sing. And then, after it was over, he walked out to the lobby. And y'all know my dad, he'll talk to anyone. And we walked out and he just walked up to him and started talking. And we stood there and visited with the guy for a while. And we talked with him and we visited with him and dad offered him a ride and he said, no, thank you. (laughs) But I know that guy. In fact, through the magic of Photoshop, I even have a picture of me with him. Now, let's just suppose that tomorrow you go to the hospital to visit someone and he has come to the hospital and he's playing music for the kids. And you go in there and you go, this is what Michael was talking about last night. And you go in and he sings Puff the Magic Dragon and you listen to it. And when it's over, you go up to him and you say, this is so neat because just last night at church, Michael was talking about when he heard you. And he's going to say, Michael who? (laughs) This guy has no idea who I am. But I feel like I know him because I met him one time, right? Let me tell you about another guy I met. That guy right there. Now, this is the original photo that that other came out of, if you were deceived by the Photoshop quality. That guy right there. I know that guy. Many of you know that guy, don't you? That's my dad. That guy is someone that I traveled with I know what he likes. I know what he doesn't like. I know he drinks his Dr. Pepper at 10, 2, and 4. I know what he likes to eat. Well, you, all of you know about the Dr. Pepper thing. But this guy spanked my bottom when I didn't do what I ought to do. This guy raised me and taught me about God. He taught me about Jesus Christ. I love that man, and that man loves me. And I promise you this, if you call him tonight and say, Michael talked about you tonight, he is not going to say, Michael, who? Because I've got a relationship with that man. I stand like him. I talk like him. I think like him. Because he's in my DNA. I've got that relationship with him. You understand the difference, don't you? Now, here's the reality. The reality is a lot of people have been introduced to Jesus. They've heard a sermon about it. They've read a track. Maybe they said a prayer one time. And they met Jesus. They learned a little bit about Jesus. And now every time they hear about Him, they go, Yeah, I know that guy. I'm a Christian. And He never crosses their mind. He doesn't affect how they live. He doesn't affect what they do when they deal with enemies or their good deeds or their bad deeds. He doesn't affect what they do when they worship. In fact, most of them don't worship. If they do, it's sitting there trying to stay awake. And 
There's no relationship there. They just met Jesus one time. And you know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said this, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? He said, there's a bunch of people on the day of judgment that are going to stand in front of me and go, Hey, Lord, (laughs) good to see you again. Man, I did a lot of good stuff in your name, Lord. I went to church and I, I, I helped people. I did all kinds of good things. And Jesus said, I will say unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. To get out of here. I don't even know who you are. You see, Jesus is the central piece. And I'm going to ask you throughout this week if you thought of Jesus today. Because my hope, my goal is by the end of the week, if you aren't in the habit of thinking about Jesus every day, that at the end of the week you will think about Jesus every day. I just held a meeting last week at Wheeler. And uh, I got a phone call this afternoon from David Zeebach. And I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, hey, I just wanted to ask you, did you think of Jesus today? (laughs) You need to think about Jesus. He needs to be central in your life. You need to believe that He is God's Son. He is God's Son. You need to believe that so much you'll stand in front of anyone and say that. You need to believe it so much that you'll live different in every way of your, every area of your life. You'll live different because that's what He wants you to do. Not because that's what's in a rule book, but because that's what Jesus did and that's what Jesus wants you to do. And if you haven't done it, you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ. Because that's where salvation is. You need to be baptized so you're accepting. When you're you're baptized, what you're doing is you're saying to God, I accept the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus as payment for my sin. Not only I accept that, but I depend on that. I'm going to bet my soul that that's true. And that He did that. And that He is who He said He was. And that you forgive sins based on His sacrifice. Are you right with Jesus tonight? If you're not, we give you an opportunity as we stand and sing this song. If you need to be right with Jesus, come to the front while we stand and sing.